Welcome to another edition of Liberation Station with Chris Steiner. I'm your host. Tonight we have a very exciting show with Dr. Bob Bowman on the line. Dr. Robert M. Bowman, Lieutenant Colonel, United States Air Force, retired, is President of the Institute for Space and Security Studies, Executive Vice President of Millennium Three Corporation, and retired presiding Archbishop of the United Catholic Church. The recipient of the Eisenhower Medal, the George F. Kennan Peace Prize, the President's Medal of Veterans, Peace, Veterans for Peace, the Republic Aviation Air Power Award, the Society of American Military Engineers ROTC Medal of Merit, two-time award winner, the Air Medal with five oak leaf clusters, the Meritorious Service Medal, and numerous other awards. He is one of the country's foremost authorities on national security. Colonel Bowman flew 101 combat missions as a fighter pilot in Vietnam and directed all of the Department of Defense Star Wars programs under Presidents Ford and Carter. He has been an executive in both government and industry and has chaired eight major international conferences. Professor Bowman taught at five colleges and universities, serving as department head and assistant dean. His PhD is in aeronautics and nuclear engineering from Caltech. He has lectured at the National War College, the United Nations Congressional Caucuses, the Academies of Science of Six Nations, and the House of Lords. Dr. Bob Bowman ran for president in the Reform Party in 2000 and was the Democratic candidate for the U.S. Congress from the 15th Congressional District of Florida in 2006. Bob and his wife of 53 years, Maggie, have seven children and 21 grandchildren, and I Without further ado, I want to welcome one of my great heroes, Dr. Bob Bowman, to the airwaves. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Bowman. I'm very excited to have you here this evening. Gotcha. Good to be with you. I don't know where to begin. Um, we have such a, a great resume. Uh, you said that uh, earlier that uh, one of the major, um, one of the big picture points that you wanted to bring out is that. Uh, the multinational corporations and the banks, uh, you said, are uh, pardon me, uh, are are making us a, a fascist a fascist government. Um, and how is that happening in the current um, uh, political atmosphere? Well, every president and every nominee of both the Democratic and the Republican parties, ever since John F. Kennedy have been members of the Trilateral Commission and hand-picked by the Trilateral Commission to be the nominee of their party. So when the general election comes uh, for the last, uh, you know, 45 years or so, we've had the choice between two members of the same globalist organization and, you know, sometimes it's a matter of uh, twiddle-dee or twiddle-dum, and sometimes it's a choice between tweedledum and tweedledumber. But uh, <laughs> we have not had a choice uh, to elect someone who wants to follow the Constitution, honor the truth, and serve the people. Now, in 2008, I would have loved to have seen a general election between Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, because both of them uh, stand for these things. And, of course, because of that, and because of the fact that they were not controlled 
by the Trilateral Commission, by the, by the global robber barons and the banks, Federal Reserve, they were marginalized, ignored, ridiculed, and not given a chance. So the American people have never really, for a long time, had a choice. And we need to change the whole electoral system to make that possible for the American people to have a choice. And uh, to have any semblance of democracy, you not only need uh, for the voters to have a choice, a real choice, you also need an informed electorate, not a brainwashed electorate. So we need media reform as well as electoral reform. These are the two essential prerequisites to saving our republic by uh, separating big money and political power. Everything else that we talk about, whether it's the, the wars and occupations, uh, that are destroying this country and, and our youth and our treasury, uh, whether it's the environment, whether it's the economy, uh, the foreclosures that people are undergoing, the loss of jobs, the lack of health care, the sorry state of education in this country. All of these things are a result of corporations and banks ruling the government, which is exactly what Mussolini defined as fascism. Yes, fascism or, or corporatism that he thought that the government ought to be owned, and that was a, one, of the, one of the platforms of the Axis powers that they're trying to uh, right. persuade us to adopt, uh, as you know about the uh, McCormick-Dickstein hearings. Um, we spoke about that in the last edition of, of the show. Um, now, you, you mentioned uh, so many good points, like Ed Gusinich and Ron Paul, um, something that, that's uh, interesting, that um, very profound uh, that they have in common, I think, is, is that uh, they, they both have had suspicious uh, deaths in their lives. Um, I believe it was Gusinich's brother died a, a suspicious death, and Ron Paul had a, an attempt on his life, apparently, with his um, plane having explosive decompression incident. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're on the page. They're both from both sides of the aisle, and, and they're on the page on so many different issues. The, the war and uh, the Federal Reserve, I mean, Ron Paul appears to have uh, won Dennis Kucinich over to that cause uh, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, uh, uh, so what we see is that people who are uh, nominally on opposite poles of the political spectrum are coming together in mutual recognition that uh, conservative, liberal, uh, the truth of the matter is that anyone who is not controlled by the multinational corporations and banks is isolated, marginalized, ridiculed, and not allowed to have a chance. And these people, like Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, uh, also recognize that uh, the problems that face the people of this country are pretty clear. And uh, besides our domination by the uh, corporations, the symptoms uh, are killing us, uh, like 
the wars and occupations, both Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, and, and so many of us in the country, patriots uh, of the right and the left, uh, see these wars and occupations in Afghanistan and Iraq and threatened wars in Iran and South Korea as being uh, war crimes against the countries we attack and treason against the United States of America because they sacrifice our youth in conflicts that have absolutely nothing to do with our national security. No, they don't, and uh, they are acts of war. They are um, they are acts of war that are are uh, war crimes, and and to uh, for Obama to be now sending over drones into Pakistan repeatedly and bombing people cowardly in such a manner. Um, that's it. And that that's I think uh, our biggest disappointment with President Obama is that uh, while he recognized early on that the Iraq War was wrong, uh, the occupation still continues, and worse than that, he is calling Afghanistan a war of necessity. He is uh, nearly doubling our commitment to that war and expanding it into Pakistan, and blaming it all on 9-11, which proves that some things never change. And until we the people explode the myth, the official conspiracy theory of the Bush administration and the 9-11 Commission uh, on 9-11 and get the truth out there, uh, these evils will continue no matter who is president of the United States. And the Republicans and the Democrats have got to come around to recognizing this that, uh, uh, you know, the two parties in this country are but wings of the same bird, and we the people have been artificially divided into Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal, left and right. And the purpose for this is to get us to fight each other instead of coming together to fight them, our oppressors, the global robber barons in the banks. Well, that's the only way they can su- succeed. It seems as if they do get us fighting amongst each other. Um, that's right. Taking all our rights and uh, staying. And the that's every- why I am so pleased that as I travel around the country, I generally spend spend four to five months every year on the road uh, speaking uh, for the patriots. Uh, to take back America, get a government which follows the Constitution, honors the truth, and serves the people. And so many of my talks all around the country are co-sponsored by the Green Party and the Libertarian Party and many other organizations, Veterans for Peace, the Raging Grannies, uh, the Catholic Worker Houses. You know, I... And lots and lots of sponsoring groups, and it's bringing left and right together in mutual recognition that we are the people, and we share the fact that we are being trampled on by the uh, global robber barons and the banks 
who rule our government and are not serving our interests, are not following the Constitution, and certainly are not honoring the truth. And uh, when we talk about uh, Pakistan and um, the Middle East and Far East, the State Department said that Georgia, who is basically, as you know, NATO's uh, puppet, um, was was the aggressor who broke the ceasefire, and yet we continue to to uh, arm Poland and uh, increase. Um, uh, want to build the mi- Obama wants to build the missile defense system, same uh, plans as Bush had, and says they're for defending against Iran. Um, what would you say to that? Well, I'd say that that's garbage. For one thing, Iran doesn't pose a threat that we need that kind of a defense against. Uh, It uh, appears to me, as well as to uh, Putin, uh, to be more aimed at uh, Russia than at Iran. But, uh, you know, uh, I've been fighting this so-called missile defense, and before that was Star Wars, I've been fighting that uh, ever since Reagan was elected and, and, and slightly before that. Uh, I directed all the Star Wars programs under Ford and Carter when their existence was secret. And even at that time in the mid-1970s, in a secret report to the government, I said that these new technologies right out of Star Wars would probably never have any defensive capability because of their uh, enormous uh, vulnerability. But they had obvious, awesome offensive capabilities. And what I recommended at that time uh, was a freeze on these new technologies, as well as a freeze on offensive missile technology, uh, preventing the United States, and at that time the Soviet Union, from uh, implementing multiple independently targetable reentry vehicles and improved accuracy that would pose a first strike threat. Because at that time in the 1970s, uh, the situation was such that uh, whoever fired first lost the war. And uh, so neither the United States nor the Soviet Union was going to start a nuclear war because whoever started it lost. Now, the new technologies uh, of uh, uh, improved accuracy in multiple reentry vehicles and uh, missile so-called defenses uh, would change that equation and give the aggressor the advantage. And that's why it was so important to stop uh, those programs, and we did. Uh, after I retired... Shortly after I retired, Reagan was elected, and into office with him came what we in the military called the lunatic fringe. People, uh, some of the names you'll remember, like Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney and Paul Wolfowitz and Richard Pearl. Oh, so uh, the, the most unspeakable names, the, the PNAC group. or The, the uh, PNAC group, the neocons who uh, came into power with Reagan and were essentially... Uh, kicked out in his second term, and then resurfaced uh, when George W. Bush was elected and controlled his presidency. And these are the dangerous people who want to get us into war 
uh, back under Reagan, they wanted to get us into what they called uh, a protracted nuclear war against the Soviet Union, and they ordered the Pentagon to prepare to fight and win such a war. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I know that um, uh, last time it was iterated, NATO, in uh, two, December 2007, uh, issued a report where they thought that they could win a nuclear, um, you know, they could overcome the mutually assured destruction. The title of that was Towards a Grand Strategy for an Uncertain World, Renewing Transatlantic Partnership. And in that, they say, quote, nuclear war might soon become possible in an increasingly brutal world, end quote. So uh, they say that uh, also first use of uh, nukes as a means of preventing other countries using their even if they don't yet have them, and that would fit our current situation with Iran. Yeah. But um, I need to uh, give out the numbers and let everyone know that we're speaking with Dr. Bob Bowman, Lieutenant Colonel, United States Air Force, retired, and uh, the phone numbers are one 826 1340 or 866-TAN-1340. Locally in Pinellas County, you can reach us at 727-441-3000 if you'd like to speak with Dr. Bowman. And he was the head of, um, he directed the uh, Star Wars program, which was then covert under the Ford and Carter administrations. Now, what, what kind of weapons um, were they trying to get, and uh, what was the last known status of um, the types of weapons platforms in space that uh, they were trying to, to uh, build? And, and you said that uh, you thought that they might have been so vulnerable. Would that mean that they would only be for um, use quickly after they were deployed? Well, what it means is that they would be only useful to an aggressor with the element of surprise on his side. They would be totally useless to an innocent party sitting back trying to defend himself because uh, the opponent, the aggressor, would obviously first disable the Star Wars system and then launch his missiles, uh, which would then have a free ride. Uh, oh, so you're saying to rely. Even, even if the Star Wars weapons worked, which wasn't at all certain. Uh, what we were researching in the 1970s was, was a, a wide range of Star Wars systems, but primarily laser battle stations. We had the uh, laser itself under development at TRW, the uh, 50-foot diameter actively cooled mirror uh, for the uh, space-based satellites uh, under development by Kodak and Perkin Elmer, the uh, pointing and tracking system and the space-based fault-tolerant computer under development by Raytheon. System studies were being done by Lockheed. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing we were doing. And so um, were you concerned that perhaps because these are such novel technologies and untested that they uh, shouldn't be relied upon in lieu of or, you know, more conventional things such as... Uh, you know, um, what would hard-kill weapons, or what would it be called, something that would um, make a physical impact? Well, we were also looking at the uh, uh, impact kinetic energy kill vehicles, but uh, now what concerned me was that whatever system we chose to uh, do boost phase intercept, which is what Star Wars is all about, hitting the missile before it gets a chance to relieve us to uh, release a swarm of reentry vehicles and decoys that whatever you choose to do that uh, is 
extremely vulnerable, orbiting over the missile fields at three to 400 miles and easily shot down. Uh, the laser battle stations and those enormous high-tech, uh, fabulously expensive mirrors could be disabled by such exotic anti-satellite weapons as a bucket of sand or a thimbleful of sewing machine oil. Uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, uh, none of the weapons that uh, have been explored for this job, and that includes those being explored to this day, uh, can withstand uh, a, an attack by an aggressor and uh, I mean, look, today they're, they're using uh, airborne lasers. Uh, and by the way, we were working on those back in the 1970s. Uh, lasers to be put in uh, uh, large aircraft, like a 747. And we were developing the, the airborne laser at that time. And like the, way back think when. of it, you know... Uh, if a country like North Korea or Iran uh, develops the advanced technology required for an intercontinental ballistic missile as well as a nuclear warhead, uh, certainly then they would have the technology to shoot down a 747 orbiting over their territory. Well, that's uh, perhaps one of the reasons we need to, um, we're trying to inspect them or saying that we're, we're prevented from inspecting them as, a, as an excuse, as a pretext to attack and invade or, or if one of our allies, such as Israel in the Middle East, I think. Uh, what would you say to um, some of the exo exotic technologies um, and the uh, scientific expertise of, of whole nations in the Middle East uh, being repressed uh, so that they can't? explore these technologies that we had way back uh, when you were in the Ford and Carter administrations? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't want any country to have these technologies. And uh, because they're so dangerous, they would tend to ignite a war. And I don't want to... You know, Iran or uh, Libya or Israel or the United States or the United Nations or the phone company to have this these kinds of weapons because uh, I would hate to see Ernestine in charge of a nuke. <laughs> it's dangerous, no matter who has them. And you know, we know that Israel already has nuclear weapons, uh, but and they have the means to deliver them to their immediate neighbors. But, uh, you know, I certainly don't want ha them having the capability of delivering those nuclear weapons at much longer range. Uh, you know, you can't trust anybody that much that you would put into their hands willingly the means to destroy the us in here in the United States and the whole planet. Right. I, I agree with you on that. Um, 
I just wish we would observe our own nuclear non-proliferation treaty and stop building weapons ourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Until we abide by the treaties that we have signed, including the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, uh, we're going to have other countries uh, wanting to join the nuclear club. And uh, the only way to prevent that is to abide by our responsibilities and start the process of global nuclear disarmament. Now, that's one thing that Obama has uh, said he wants to do, and I applaud him for that. Uh, he has made some changes, uh, it, not nearly enough, not what we voted for. We have to demand that. What we've gotten so far I call chump change. And to get the change we voted for, uh, we have to force him to go against the global robber barons that he has surrounded himself with in his cabinet and uh, in his White House. Uh, because just about every member of his advisory team uh, is a member of the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergers, and the Council on Foreign Relations. Yes, and uh, I'm sure a few others that we uh, uh, people are less familiar with, but those are the the main ones. And it's uh, not that we're uh, people uh, we're, we're partisan because um, it should be known. Uh, it should be needs to be mentioned that uh, even though he lost the election, and um, I think that uh, if McCain had won the election, he would get away with uh, he would not be able to get away with those kinds of things that Obama is now or has. And uh, both McCain and, and Biden, I mean, part, yes, Biden, McCain, and Obama are all members of the Council on Foreign Relations. When, when um, Obama was asked about that, and, and this is in a YouTube video where he was asked by a particular person, uh, what about uh, the North American Union, and uh, are you a member of the Council on Foreign Relations? And uh, he responded that he didn't know if the Council on Foreign Relations actually had a membership list. Of course, if you look on their website, you'll see his picture, his photograph, and his bio there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all, he's, and then he jokes and gets the audience to laugh over, well, I don't know if they are issue cards to their members. Well, uh, I don't know. Ask your wife. I mean, she's a, a member of the Chicago. I think she was the chair on the board of directors of the Chicago CFR. And uh, I mean, and then he goes on, um, answers the second part of the question on the North American Union, and he says he sees no evidence of a North American Union. And uh, there's plenty of um, proof on them. Well, if you read the Council on Foreign Relations own plans and uh, papers on their own website, they talk about, uh, such as Richard N. Haas, the uh, chairman of the CFR, speaking about uh, how we need to bring in the North American Union and block, uh, block countries. So... Um, uh, these are these are all points that need to be brought up. I mean, it's not really worth mentioning, but um, I guess it is on, on the on the level that uh, these guys are all part of these secret or uh, semi-secret organizations that um, radio commentators, as famous as Rush Limbaugh, have said uh, don't exist in past times and most more recent times. He's saying that this Council on Foreign Relations doesn't hold any influence. So uh, there's, he's just he's just trying to sweep it all under the under the rug. And uh, these these elitist groups that they belong to have put out writings that they want to take over our sovereign. They want to destroy our sovereignty in favor of a uh, block nations, the European Union or North American Union. Um, and that's um, how, how would you um, 
How would you say that affects our um, our salaries and uh, uh, in this country when we when we're uh, trying to be consolidated into a, a block uh, government? Well, uh, because of the fact that we're dominated by the corporations, it would affect our salaries in a very negative way. You see, uh, here's one thing that we can learn from the Europeans. Uh, when they formed the European Union, uh, somehow they avoided the absolute uh, domination of the, the corporations. And so when it came time to expand the European Union, you had countries like Spain and Greece and Turkey saying that they wanted to join. And the European Union told them, well, you know, fine, uh, uh, that that's nice in in theory but we're not going to let you be a pool of cheap labor to drive down labor standards in our countries and the standard of living so before we will accept an application for membership from you you must raise the standards of your workers you must give them union rights you must raise their wages you must give them protections for health safety and the environment and raise their standards up pretty close to matching ours. And then we will consider uh, you for membership. Now, if we had done that before we signed NAFTA and forced the Mexicans to raise the standards of their workers, you know, I just said, fine and dandy, let's have NAFTA. But, of course, we didn't do that. And so... Uh, when, when NAFTA was being considered, I had my own radio show, and I had Congressman Marcy Kaptur and a whole bunch of important people on the radio show. And what most of us argued, and I certainly did, was that it wasn't a fight between American workers and Mexican workers. It was between the workers in the United States and Mexico and the billionaire investors in both countries. And I predicted that if NAFTA passed, it would uh, destroy the standard of living on both sides of the Rio Grande, and it has. That agreement has made many billionaires in the United States and in Mexico, but it, it has uh, driven millions of family farmers in Mexico off the land into the Maquiladoras to try to get jobs at slave wages. It has caused uh, many job, good jobs in the United States to uh, be sent down there to Mexico to take advantage of this cheap labor that was driven off the land by NAFTA. And, you know, the truth of the matter is that such agreements are not free trade agreements at all. They're free investment agreements. Free investment agreements. So you're saying the financiers have free reign to uh, take everybody's rice bowls, basically? and. Yes, and it's a race to the bottom. Uh, 
what it uh, does and what NAFTA will do if we allow it to happen. Uh, I mean, the North American Union, which is just NAFTA on steroids, what it would do would be to uh, lower the standard of living in the United States and Canada to meet that of Mexico. And that's not the way globalization should work. Globalization should raise the standards of living in the developing nations like Mexico to match ours, not the other way around. And so that's the only way that this should go forward, anything like that. And, of course, I believe we should maintain our sovereignty. Uh, I've spoken quite a bit up in Canada. They feel the same way. Uh, they want to maintain their sovereignty. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we don't want to just build a wall and shut out the people of Mexico and let the Mexicans go to hell. Uh, that's not the point. Well, a wall the could point, also keep us in as well and yeah, trap the us. The point is that we need to uh, say, okay, Mexico, if, if you want uh, free trade with us, you have to raise standards to match ours. You can't have this enormous gap between uh, your billionaires and the impoverished masses. Uh, you have to build a, a middle class down there, and then we'll deal with you. And, uh, and we'll help build that middle class if, if you'll cooperate. The problem is our government is not about to do that because our government doesn't care about either the Mexican or the American workers. Our government is dominated by the global investors who want to exploit the poor people of Mexico and who want to drive down our wages to meet those of the Mexicans. Precisely. And, and Obama, um, he issued, this was in Alex's, Alex Jones's uh, documentary, The Obama Deception, mm -hmm. um, in the bibliography to validate what I'm about to say can be found at uh, theobamadeception.net, where um, there was a leaked campaign memo that um, Obama issued to his campaign financiers, his campaign contributors, the secret memo said that he uh, he didn't want them to worry about his promises to renegotiate NAFTA, that uh, it was just going to stay the way it is. And, and that's what we've gotten, obviously. Um, and uh, I would be willing uh, to, it would be wonderful to be able to have so many family-oriented uh, family uh, Mexicans coming up and, and those who just want freedom. I mean, look how hard they fought to come up here. And yeah. I'd welcome them. They, they I respect them and their... Um, ambition a lot more than many lazy Americans. Uh, and so I, I would definitely welcome them. And, and uh, I would, you know, there, there are issues such as a disease that needs to be addressed, uh, tuberculosis and many studies on that and, and drunk driving. And I know that there are, are many problems, but the, yeah. the issue is that I just think that they, uh, we'd be able to screen more people. And I made this point on the last show, if, if we had a lawful money system where we had full value for what, um, for our labor and our property. Uh, yeah, and if if uh, the the uh, employers in this country, uh, if Mexicans did come up here to get jobs, if employers in this country had to pay uh, these Mexicans a decent wage, 
and were not able to uh, uh, hire them at slave wages, and the the Mexicans, because they were afraid of being deported, couldn't complain. You know, if we had a situation that held the uh, employers' feet to the fire and who jailed employers who violated uh, the law, then, you know, we wouldn't really have to fear as much from immigration as we do now. But right now, immigration is used, and by the way, with the co-op, full cooperation of our government under both parties, immigration is used to drive down wages so that the corporations can make more profit. Good point. Yeah, and and uh, and uh, I I don't... I don't have a problem. I I think that um, I don't have a problem with uh, maybe if we did have a a block government or a world government, but, uh, you know, not a tyrannical one and not one that has no um, fail-safes or I guess another good term would be – what, what, what do you call it in a ship that – I'm at a loss for words – the term in bulkheads in a ship that – that uh, would would uh, prevent, you know, say if one compartment or one country gets uh, flooded or uh, has a problem, then uh, all the others won't um, fall down like dominoes. The so. problem that I see, and, and because I, I've long uh, favored the United Nations, uh, and I don't believe that the United Nations is part of the uh, New World Order. It's practically irrelevant to the New World Order. The New World Order is made up of the uh, uh, World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, and uh, the World Trade Organization, and all corporate-dominated. And uh, the problem is, how can we have a global government that is democratic and that serves the needs of the people of the world when we can't even get a government here in the United States that will serve the needs of our people. Well, uh, I don't think it, uh, there's any intention of serving the needs of, of the people. I think they wanted to um, eliminate us. Well, exactly. Exactly, because of the corporate domination. Mm-hmm. And as long as, you know, I don't want a global uh, world government that is going to be dominated by the corporations and the global investors and the banks. And uh, it's bad enough that they're ruling us. And so I don't want a world government until uh, it can be guaranteed that that government will, in fact, serve the people. And frankly, I don't see any prospect of that in the foreseeable future. Well, the people in Mexico seem to be helping themselves. What do you think about us moving there and helping them out? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean this is sarcastic. <laughs> this is a facetious question, but uh, it just uh, it's uh, inspiring that they're, they, they protest so much and they're making such efforts, but uh, it's, yeah. it's sad what they're going through. And, and uh, I wanted to um, ask you, uh, get into uh, shift gears a little bit about... Um, since we're talking about a tyrannical world government and it hasn't proven to be anything but uh, anything but warlike, and um, on 9/11, that seems to be the basis of our foreign policy. Uh, what's your stance on 9/11 and the official story? Well, uh, it has been proven by many 
dedicated researchers that the official conspiracy theory told us by the Bush administration and the 9-11 Commission, the Kane-Hamilton-Zellico Commission, that official conspiracy theory that 9-11 was accomplished by 19 Arabs with box cutters and an old man in a cave on a dialysis machine, that, that conspiracy theory is utterly impossible. Uh, it is physically impossible uh, for uh, the Twin Towers and Building 7 to collapse uh, because two of the three buildings were struck by airliners. Uh, those buildings were designed to withstand uh, being hit by two airliners apiece. Uh, exactly, and and the designer uh, actually, um, oh gosh, he was a Japanese man. Yeah, it was uh, two seven twenty sevens that uh, they they thought that it would it would be able to endure. Yeah, no, and when I watched those buildings come down, I I just thought it's totally impossible. And uh, of course, even before the buildings came down on nine eleven two thousand one, when I was watching the proceedings on TV, I kept thinking to myself. Where are the interceptors? I mean, I'm an old interceptor pilot. I've uh, done the drill. I know how long it takes, I, uh, you know, and I know the rules. And if our government had just done nothing on that morning and allowed normal procedures to, to take place, Whatever hit the Twin Towers and the Pentagon would have been intercepted long before they got there. The Twin Towers would still be standing. Thousands of dead Americans would still be alive. I don't know who planned 9-11. I don't know who carried it out. But it is impossible for it to have been carried out without the cooperation of someone who had the ability to paralyze our air defense system, perhaps through all of those exercises being directed from the bunker under the White House by Dick Cheney. Cheney in the bunker. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you get, I mean, hijacked airliners do not fly around for an hour and 40 minutes without being intercepted unless our air defense system was deliberately sabotaged. Uh, and uh, Dick Cheney's role in, in the uh, shoot-down orders. Yeah, that's extremely suspicious. The 9-11 Commission never asked any questions about that. They never interviewed the young lieutenant. Uh, you know, there's so many things that need to be followed up. We need a new investigation, and, and we haven't had one. Well, um, some of the other examples uh, I think uh, you're aware of um, uh, probably better than I am. Um, can you tell us about some of the other examples of, of planes being intercepted that got near uh, critical installations like the, the White House or World Trade Center or the Pentagon? Yeah, well, uh, it, it, 
in 2001 alone, before 9-11, uh, there were 60-some aircraft that uh, had gone off course uh, or lost communication and whatnot that were intercepted. Uh, it, it was routine. Uh, and then, you know, I mean... We have, like, Payne Stewart's plane. Payne and we have Stewart, the, of course. And, the and then you cam. get uh, the fact that, uh, you know these indestructible black boxes in the aircraft do not evaporate in the same fire from which an unharmed passport floats to the street below. Well, if they hit the World Trade Center, uh, well, that passport was probably asbestos-coated, and those black boxes were <laughs> made of silica. Or <laughs> I don't know. I mean, makes me wonder what, you know, what their excuse is. And, and uh, yeah, and it wasn't only the, the uh, passport in the World Trade Center um, that one of the hijackers' passports supposedly, according to the official story, landed on the street below, but it was also in Flight 93 that allegedly occurred. Um, uh, for 9-11 Building 7, um, you, you know, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Jane Stanley, the reporter for the BBC, or Aaron Brown for the CNN reporting on Building yeah, 7? Yeah, I made up a, what I call my smoking gun video. It's a three-minute video about Building 7, and it shows the BBC announcing the collapse of Building 7 before it happened. It shows Jane Stanley talking about the collapse of uh, Building 7, and, and it's clearly visible over her left shoulder, still standing. <laughs> well, and uh, <laughs> What script was she reading? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and who wrote it? Uh, and then, of course, another part of uh, my three-minute video was Larry Silverstein talking about his decision to pull it and uh, all about his insurance policy that he took out just uh, before 9-11. And... Uh, and of course, yes, it, the rest of it is just showing different views of Building 7 coming down in what is uh, clearly uh, a perfect uh, a controlled demolition. Uh, well, yes, and, and Larry Silverstein, uh, and I, this really needs to be brought up because it, there's so much cover-up on the uh, mainstream media. Regarding Larry Silverstein, they try to excuse him by saying that, well, when he said pull it, he meant pull the, pull the rescue workers. Well, in that quote, he says he and the New York uh, Police Department decided to pull it or uh, – it has nothing to do with individuals. And number one, there were no rescue workers in there. And number two, how come he and the uh, New York Police Department uh, Fire Authority, I believe he said, decided to, to pull it? So that's, a dem that's also a demolition term to, uh, to say pull yeah. it. Of course. And uh, and there's just no excuse for him to to have said that because it, you know how could he and a governmental authority make a decision on rescue workers? It has nothing. It's, it makes no sense. And um, and there and and also on Building Seven, I you know when Jane Stanley and and um, and there was also Aaron Brown uh, for CNN who who reported who reported that uh, it was uh, it had been demolished or and then he looks over his shoulder because he's a New Yorker and and he says or is about to be demolished or not <laughs> pardon me demolished is about to collapse he says and uh, and and then he he starts ad-libbing it well we'll talk about uh, 9/11 in great depth on the following hour here uh, on Liberation Station the call in numbers are 727-441-3000 in Pinellas and toll free 1866 866-1340 866-TAN-1340 tell free call is star 13 Participating stores only
This is the Tan Talk Radio Network, broadcast home of Imus in the Morning on AM 1340 WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg, and AM 1350 WDCF, Dade City, Hill, and Wesley. CNN Radio, I'm Paul Chambers. The Treasury Department and General Motors bondholders have reached a deal that could give creditors a larger stake in a new GM. GM also would not have to repay that what, $40 billion in U.S. government loans that's coming from U.S. citizens, $40 billion. In return, however, the government, uh, also known as the U.S. taxpayers, would get a 72.5% share of GM. CNN Susan Candiotti reports the deal probably won't prevent the company from filing for bankruptcy. President Obama meets with his Palestinian counterpart. Mahmoud Abbas says his Arab neighbors are behind the idea of a two-state solution with Israel. The entire Arab world and the Islamic world, they are all committed to peace. We've seen that through the Arab League of Peace Initiative. Uh, that simply uh, talks about land for peace as a principle. Mr. Obama today called again for Israel to stop expanding Jewish settlements in the West Bank. A U.S. delegation headed to Asia, then Russia, for talks about this week's provocative actions by North Korea. This is really a kind of gut check for the U.S. and its allies. They're going to be talking to Russia and China to see whether they're really now going to be willing to get tough on North Korea to avoid North Korea becoming a nuclear state, which could really spark off an arms race in the region and destabilize Asia. The U.S. Defense Secretary already had a trip planned this week to Singapore. Passengers who had some scary moments on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 will finally get their possessions back. Most didn't expect to recover anything from the Boeing 737's forced landing in New York's Hudson River. The most trusted name in news, this is CNN Radio. Report with Rich Herrera. The Rays played a Wednesday night ball game against the Cleveland Indians after a two-hour rain delay. Things didn't cheer up, even though the Rays put up five runs in the first inning, all led off by Evan Longoria. Swing and a line drive right center field. That's into the alley and a trap to the base hit. Upton will get the third. It'll be waved home. Longoria with run batted in number 50, and the Rays lead 1-0. Longoria now a 51 RBI on the season, but Ben Francisco continues his dominance over the Rays and in particular, Andy Sonnenstein. Sonny's pitch launched to left field. He has done it again. Into the stance, it goes for a three-run homer, and it's 5-4 to four Rays. Indians go on to win 12-7 over the Tampa Bay Rays. Coming up later today, the Rays will have an afternoon contest. It's 11.30 pregame, 12.05 first pitch. Catch the Rays all season long on the Rays radio network. For tickets, log on to RaysBaseball.com. Rays Baseball on WDCF 1350. Are you behind on your bills? Are the credit card companies hounding you for payment? If you're in over your head with credit card debt, give us a call and let us help you. We'll get the credit card companies off your back and reduce the amount of money you owe. We'll get your debts consolidated into one reasonable payment that may be as little as one half of what you are currently paying and get these debts resolved in as little as 18 to 36 months. We're debt settlement professionals and know how to deal with credit card companies. So let us help you get back to a happy, comfortable life without the sleepless nights and credit card problems. We're on your side. So if you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, call 1-877-912-3322 and let one of our friendly specialists help you right now. 
There's no pressure, no obligation, and the advice is free. So call 1-877-912-3322 now. 1-877-912-3322. At the Oaks of Clearwater, our assisted living lifestyle provides 24-hour assistance with the tasks of daily living. You'll enjoy meals in your private dining room, housekeeping, linen and personal laundry service, scheduled transportation, personal security, transmitter necklace, 24-hour supervision, assistance with bathing and dressing, and supervision with medication. You'll enjoy our in-house amenities, including a full-service waterfront dining room outdoor garden patio, all utilities including phone and cable, beauty and barbershop, on-site banking, and a library, an outstanding activities program, and so much more. As a resident of the Oaks of Clearwater, you will enjoy affordable luxury assisted living complete with a million-dollar view. Call Melanie today at 727-445-4069 and discover where caring, compassionate service makes the difference for your assisted living needs. Have you ever listened to a talk radio show and said, I could do that? Well, you're right, you can, right here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Your Tantalk program will include a professional engineer to handle every technical aspect of your program, professional talk and recording studios, four telephone lines to take live call-ins and conduct live interviews, even the ability to do live remote broadcasts. Not only will your program be aired locally in Tampa Bay, you'll be streamed live worldwide across the internet in audio and video. When you sign off, you'll receive an audio CD or MP3 copy of your program, which can be duplicated and distributed. In addition, you can archive and podcast this copy of your program on the internet for download and playback. Ready to explore the exciting world of talk radio? Here's the next step. Hey, Tampa Bay, listen up. You can have a one-hour program on the Tantalk Radio Network for less than the cost of one 60-second announcement on many local radio stations. We will put your program on two stations in Tampa Bay, AM 1340 and AM 1350. The cost? Less than a 60-second announcement on many Tampa Bay stations. Get the facts by calling Lola Jean, the broadcast queen, at 727-510-7622. That's 727 area code 510-7622. Call 510-7622 now and reserve your Tantalk Network program. Welcome back to Liberation Station. We have Dr. Bob Bowman joining us here. Call in lines in Pinellas are 727-441-3000 and toll free 1-866-826-1340. The all-tell free call is star 1340. And Dr. Bowman was, among many other things, uh, the director of the uh, Star Wars program, which was then classified under Ford and Carter. And uh, Dr. Bowman, are you with us? I am indeed. Great. Thanks for joining us for just a few more minutes. And uh, I forgot to get out there. Uh, please excuse me, Dr. Bowman. Your website of your organization, your uh, great organization, The Patriots, the website is thepatriots.us. And you can find that linked up on my website, www.liberationstation.weebly, spelled W E E B as in boy, L Y.com. 
liberationstation.weebly.com. Just go to the link section and you'll find Dr. Bowman listed there. His website, thepatriots.us. Uh, Dr. Bowman, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the Patriots? Well, sure. The Patriots is an organization that uh, we founded in 1982. Uh, it is uh, devoted to uh, taking back our country uh, with a government that follows the Constitution, honors the truth, and serves the people. And what a world of difference that would make. And we're not going to get that under either the Republican and Democratic parties uh, unless uh, something spectacular happens and the, the American people really demand it. But uh, we need to change the electoral system to uh, empower third parties so that uh, uh, they have a shot. Uh, we need to uh, uh, reform the media because the mainstream media are all owned by a handful of multinational corporations which profit from the wars and pollution and, and poverty and all the rest of the stuff that, and that pathogens. we're against. Don't forget pathogens also. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, we've really got our work cut out for us, and uh, I'm going to be spending uh, most of this summer from June 20th to the 1st of November uh, on the road uh, speaking in uh, uh, something probably around 100 different cities uh, on these issues. Uh, this year we're just covering the eastern half of the country. But all of this is uh, uh, outlined on our website, thepatriots.us. Don't forget the T-H-E. If you just put in Patriots, you'll get the football team. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, no, they don't. I don't think we'll want to follow them on tour. We'd rather follow you. <laughs> well, that's amazing to hear that. I'm glad to hear you're going around to persuade some, win over so many hearts and minds um, with yeah. such credentials. That's such encouraging because I, I do consider you a hero, uh, somebody who's been protecting me so, uh, so long that I was never even aware until recently. And uh, I was aware of your stance on, on 9-11 uh, from seeing you um, on several videos uh, that are on online, uh, such as on YouTube or other video hosting sites, that, uh, such as the 9-11 Symposium back in 2006 that Alex Jones hosted uh, in yep, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And uh, you spoke there so eloquently, and uh, those videos can also be seen on, on uh, sites like YouTube, or uh, there are many other video sites. If you, anybody wants to check out the link section on my, on my website, I, I'm kind of trying to steer people away from YouTube because they're, they've been censoring very historic videos, educational stuff like Alex's videos, and uh, he's encouraging everybody to migrate all those vital videos over to these other websites before... Um, YouTube, um, even though they won the victory against YouTube, they're worried that they might uh, come back and, and try to start their uh, banning of certain videos again very selectively. So um, I wanted to just speak with you a little bit about 9-11. Um, we were just speaking about the uh, Building 7 coming down mm -hmm. so uh, so strangely. And, and uh, uh, pardon me, here I'm just getting a text message. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, and when uh, Jane Stanley, the reporter for the BBC we were speaking about, and Aaron Brown, a uh, reporter for CNN, uh, saw that the Building 7 was still standing at the time they reported it had collapsed. And uh, Aaron Brown was the only one who, of the two who caught himself 
and said uh, as he looked behind him, it's collapsed or it's about to collapse. And, and so they were obviously following some kind of a script. Um, and um, isn't, that a, isn't that smoking one of the smoking guns of 9-11? Absolutely. It sure is. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the videos of that building coming down, uh, there you know, hardly any fire visible at all. Uh, when you, the building comes down, uh, the floors obviously are not pancaking. They're staying the same distance apart all the way to the ground. Uh, the uh, building caves in at the center first, and then you know it, it falls into its own footprint, classic controlled demolition. Uh, and for that to happen... Uh, and it wasn't even struck by an aircraft. I mean, it's just physically impossible. Steel-reinforced concrete building. It's ridiculous. The government story is total hogwash. Well, uh, if they, as you, you have, as you often say, if they have nothing to cover up, why are they covering up everything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, fact of the matter is that uh, regardless of who was responsible for 9-11, the subsequent cover-up was itself a conspiracy involving elements of the White House and the intelligence establishment. When you take the cover-up of all the facts in, in the so-called 9-11 Commission final report, and you combine that with confiscation of the videotapes, audio tapes, black boxes, I mean, it is clear that there was a conspiracy cover-up. And so the question arises, you know, if the Bush administration had nothing to hide, why were they hiding everything? And uh, were they covering up uh, guilt or incompetence? And if it was incompetence, how come nobody was fired or demoted or court-martialed or even reprimanded? Mm. And if it was guilt, were the guilty parties Saudis or... Pakistanis or Israelis or Americans or all of the above? You know, these are some questions that need answering, and nobody has dealt with them. And we need a new, totally independent investigation to ask these questions and answer them. And why the lily-livered members of Congress have abdicated their responsibility and are not asking these questions and demanding answers uh, means that, you know, except for a few people like Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich and a few others, we ought to just get rid of all of them because they're bought and paid for. Yes, we do. I mean, that's a great point. Well, with that, Dr. Bowman, I would, uh, I would say that I agree with you, and, and I appreciate you joining us today or this evening on, on Liberation Station. Um, and, uh, and I want everybody to visit your site at, at thepatriots.us and, uh, and start to uh, learn about uh, your organization. And uh, I, I appreciate and I hope that everybody uh, keeps you in, in their prayers for your continued work and uh, your proven history of, of winning hearts and minds over to the truth. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bowman, and God bless you. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being with you, Chris. Thanks. Have a great night. 
And that was Dr. Bowman joining us this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, a very distinguished uh, member of the, <clears throat> pardon me, of the uh, Forder and Card Administration, the director of Star Wars, and, and uh, one of the gentlemen responsible for protecting us from um, the crazies, the neocons, the project for the New American Century Group. And, uh, and uh, you know, they haven't gone away. These are, these are folks, you see Cheney out there these days. You, you see uh, Dick Cheney's constantly giving Obama political cover by um, criticizing him. And all he has to do is, is mention Obama's name. And, and he has to, uh, what he ha- it seems Cheney's mission now is, it, it, Cheney's mission now it seems to be seems to be to um, just criticize Obama for not keeping us safe and uh, trying to say that he's not he's not securing America because he's not taking advantage of all of these extraordinary powers that Cheney and Bush had claimed for the office of president and vice president when they were in office. And now they're saying, well, Obama, pick up the gun. You got to pick it up and defend us. And Obama, well, no, he he's not picking up the gun as according to the media or according to Cheney. And so people think, well, we have such a such a, a complainer as Cheney, uh, such a um, a crazy whack job, discontinued, disconnected from reality, who who's criticizing Obama. Well, we can just ignore Cheney. There's no legitimate complaints or grievances against Obama now. So that's what Cheney's mission is. And I'd like to talk about that. I'm um, going to get in that in just a moment. Our toll-free number is 1-866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. And uh, the local Pinellas line is 727-441-3000. The all-tell-free call is star 1340. And uh, when it comes to Dick Cheney now, why is Dick Cheney relevant? Why is he popping up all over the place? Well, let's see... Uh, in an article on my website written by Ray McGovern that I linked to called uh, Cheney says that support for Israel feeds terrorism. And uh, what Cheney says, the relevant part is, uh, quote, they have never lacked for grievances against the United States. Our belief in freedom of speech and religion, our belief in equal rights for women, our support for Israel. These are the true sources of resentment. And, uh, and I'm just uh, I'm cutting out a couple of words there, but you can see the the article uh, by Ray McGovern um, when and the video where he was speaking at the American Enterprise Institute on May 21st. It's all linked up on my website, and uh, I just always knew that someday he would begin to understand that uh, our support for Israel is uh, one of the true sources of resentment, quote unquote. Uh, that's according to Cheney. Well. I'm just being sarcastic, but being a war criminal and a war profiteer, Cheney is, is just one who you'd come to expect would compare our individual rights to some imagined collective right to support fellow war criminals. And what do I mean by war criminals? What do I mean by war criminals? Well, what is a war criminal? war criminal is someone who doesn't observe the international law that uh, the country and of to uh, the country they represent, the people they represent, have uh, enacted the treaties, the Hague Convention, 
the Geneva Conventions and uh, so many other war conventions that prohibit the use of poisoning weapons, weapons such as depleted uranium weapons, uh, such as uh, nuclear weapons and chemical weapons. These are weapons that we're not supposed to use in war, and the reason is fairly clear, but it bears restating. It's the same reason that you don't want to torture, and it's the same reason that you don't want to uh, mistreat your enemies once they've surrendered to you, because you want to encourage them to surrender to you, so that they'll think, well, I'll get two meals and a cot, and uh, then I'll just be able to, I'll be able to live, and and uh, they'll treat me well and perhaps give me back to my uh, home country because, after all, I'm just a soldier. I don't know anything. Well, um, we have uh, a caller, Don, from Largo on line one. Don, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm as good as I can get with what I got. Uh, I was listening to the last show, last hour show. Is this the same guest? This is the host. Uh, our guest, Dr. Bowman, is, has left us. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's refreshing to hear that point of view that goes from the, from the left towards Obama instead of from the right towards Obama. You know, you, you, you've got a, you seem to have a thought in your head about, uh, about maybe things could be different and maybe he's not everything that the left cracks him up to be. I've always worried about him voting for the FISA law during his, when he was a candidate. Mm-hmm. And uh, voting for a three hundred billion dollar bailout. Yeah, and on FISA, on FISA, don't you don't you think his, uh, victory speech in uh, in uh, November fourth in Grants Park, he uh, he spoke up for uh, touchscreen voting machines, you know, the secret software type things. So there's three things that I can see in Grants Park. His victory, so you're saying his acceptance speech. He was uh, he was. Champion he was victorious in the, he was victorious in the election, and he talked about a 102-year-old woman reaching up and touching the touchscreen voting machine. And the touchscreen voting machine is what we call a black box voting machine. You know, you, you have secret, unaccountable, non-verifiable software that's determined by the people who own the computers. You know, right? Not, not yeah. by the electorate. Exactly. And he championed. He, that was his first advocacy of his of his new newfound. Uh, presidency was to advocate secret secret voting machines you know and and a lot of us worry about that kind of thing you know about black box voting machines that are unaccountable and unverifiable well i yeah i, I share that concern uh, it's a it's an issue that uh, well, a lot of people think that since obama was just elected well oh, that's proof right there that uh, there's no cheating going on, but isn't it weird that a black man uh, such as Obama would not win, uh, would be even cheated out of uh, Harlem? And yeah, he was cheated, but, uh, you know, he had such an overwhelming majority that he really wasn't a victim of, of vote fraud because he, he uh, it's impossible to, to, to commit vote fraud when you have an overwhelming majority like that. No. Yeah, and uh, what about the FISA thing? You were going on that tangent, and I, yeah. I, I interrupted you with this voting machine thing. Do you, do you agree that it's a well, it's he, not a good thing. He doesn't trust us with our our right to privacy. He doesn't trust us with our right to vote. Uh, talk about disenfranchisement. Um, I mean, it seems like that's that's kind of funny that, uh, you know, if you want your voice heard, well, don't bother voting. Just go pick up the phone and someone's listening. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have any, if you've ever said anything in public that might be considered to be pro-Constitution or pro pro-equality, 
uh, maybe somebody's paying attention to what you say and, and may botch your Internet or do something to deal with your cyber existence, which is, which is very fundamental to our... And there's nothing we can do about it. We don't even have to know about it. What are, are you worried about the uh, site, the, um, you know, some kind of hacker, cracker, changing, manipulating votes? Is that what you're worried about? No, I'm talking about uh, hacker, cracker, monitoring... Um, uh, monitoring your your uh, emails and and uh, so forth. If you're if you're viewed as a person who advocates constitutional republic as opposed to uh, what you're talking about with your last guest, trilateral commission and Bilderbergers and all that. You know the idea that maybe there is a conspiracy. Maybe there is such a thing as people don't exist and don't have rights, and those that with too much money who are corporations do. You know. Yeah, well, yeah, right, exactly. Like the um, the ones who count the votes, they have all the power, and it's just it, it, you know, you, you you thought that did you say that you thought that I was coming at it from a left uh, perspective and criticizing? I, I was thinking I, I was thinking you were coming at it from a perspective that maybe Obama isn't left enough. Well, he's he's not certainly not a, a, um, fulfilling his promises that he on which he got elected the anti-war, which you you know the the typical um, what people typically think is left in it. Uh, gosh, I hate to use such terms, but um, they you know people using these left-right terms and and uh, yeah, you know he he's held up there by by um, by the people who elected him or the people who supported them supported him and thinking that he would get us out of the war and that he would put an end to these bailouts. And and yet, when he gets into office, uh, and it's very interesting on PolitiFact.com, you can check out his campaign promises, um, you, you see that he's just surrounded himself with bankers, and, and you see that uh, he's appointed William J. Lynn um, in the Department of Def- in his uh, cabinet in the Department of Defense, and he was a former uh, Raytheon contractor, war profiteer. Um, or, uh, so I, I don't see any any real change. It's you know change you can deceive in, but yeah, he he's he's ex- he's just the next. Um, I, I don't. I, I really would. Uh, I don't want to use any metaphors here. Let's see. I, I would say that that he's just uh, he's just the the person who's put up for us to admire and to um, inspire us and to think that uh, this person is, is going to change everything for us just because he and the media tell us that. And you know the difference. You know that uh, the people that he surrounded himself with, uh, the trilateral and the Council on Foreign Relations people, what other kinds of policies, though, um, you know, do you, do you uh, not like about uh, our new president and his CFR trilateral um, um, entourage? Any of those uh, folks who you particularly don't like, or or their policies? No, I uh, I focus on on something that uh, uh, I'm usually forbidden to say on talk shows because I say it over and over again, and that is during the 2007-2008 election, or early in that, around July. Uh, John Roberts, uh, a judge picked by twice not elected George Bush, said that corporations with too much money have a right to exist and say anything they want to and purchase as much airtime as they want to say it. And and, and then on July 11th of the same year, 2007, Elizabeth Kovakovich of the U.S. District Court here in Tampa said people who prove constitutional qualifications for president of the United States are as nothing and can't be recognized. 
So the majority of the population is broke by payday, and we can't be recognized as candidates. And on the other hand, corporations who are not described in the Constitution have total open book access to control the mind of the American people. You know, I think it's wrong. I describe it on my I describe it on my website, but oh, so that's why you're so worried about you're very repetitive of of what I say. Uh huh. Well, great. Um, Sounds like you're concerned about the internet being shut down too. Um, About what? About the internet also being shut down and restricted. And so, what's your website? What's uh, What's the name of your website? Don Don from Largo dot com or evenim dot com or for the Republic Radio dot com to get oh. you all to the same place. Oh, okay, Don from Largo dot com or uh, what were the other two? Just in case, evenim dot com yeah. or uh, for the Republic Radio dot com. But you know, uh, I, I I think it's wrong to cart blanche a priori. I've done this for 21 years, ran for president of the United States, and been declared subhuman, you know, in, in uh, 1987, in the, the December 15, 1987, Star Magazine, page 14 and 15. There was an article about, look who's running for president, and it showed me with dogs and children. And one other guy that might have been over 35, lifetime resident, born here. But I'm sorry, what year was that? December 15th of what? December 15th, Star Magazine, of 2000? 1987, oh, page 14 and 15. But uh, the Federal Election Commission chairman in that issue said these people typically donate or, or raise or, or spend $5,000 for their campaign. But dogs and children aren't listed in the Constitution, you know. Whole human beings are not <laughs> not dogs, not children. And, and on the other hand, as, as it happened in 2007 and 2008, they just carte blanche refused political existence to people who proved their constitutional qualifications to the Federal Election Commission, the Democratic and Nas- Republican National Committee, and, and the court system. Oh, you're talking you know, about Choice Point? Hmm? You're talking about Choice Point uh, helping to disqualify so No, many... I'm talking about the Federal Election Commission on uh, February, uh, July 23rd, 2007, saying I can't be a candidate for President of the United States according to Title 90, uh, Article 26, Title 95 of the U.S. Code. To me, the U.S. Code trumps the Constitution in, in these matters. In other words, the Constitution says you have to be a, a over, over 35 lifetime resident born here, but the U.S. Code says you have to have, in the two-party system, in the two-party system, you have to have $5,000 worth of bribes and become a fiduciary corporation in each of 20 states. Well, you've got the majority of the population who are broke by payday have no extra money and can't be recognized. So what do you get? You get the person who says, let's bankrupt the, the second or third generations in order to shovel massive amounts of money into uh, into corporate pockets. You know, it's uh, about the same as the Republican Revolution. i got to go out work, and i got to take care of business. Sorry. Right, Don. Well, I hope you call in again. I appreciate all your experience. I'd uh, like to hear more. And we'll check out your website. Thanks for calling, Don. That was Don from Largo. And uh, the numbers to call in here are in Pinella, 727-441-3000. Toll free, 1-866-826-1340. And the all-tell free call is star 1340. Well, um, maybe next time when Don calls in, we can get into uh, a very interesting uh, Supreme Court case that uh, is often, um, I'm looking it up here, uh, I believe it was 
uh, it's on my very own website, so it should be just a moment. It, I believe it was City of San Francisco versus Santa Clara County. Um, I'll find it here, but it, it actually states that corporations are persons, or it doesn't actually state that. It's It's been misconstrued to state that, and the reason um, it's been misconstrued to state that is coming up in one moment. Well, um, the uh, the case was Santa Clara County versus Southern Pacific Railroad. That's a 1886 case, Santa Clara County versus Southern Pacific Railroad. And uh, it can be found for all you legal beagles, eagles, at um, if you go to Stetson, at uh, 118 U.S. 394. And um, it's been alleged that it says that it grants corporations the same status as an emancipated slave under the 14th Amendment. But um, this misconstruction is really a result of um, the highly publicized comment made by Chief Justice Morrison R. Waits before oral arguments actually even occurred, and he, uh, he said in this uh, in the statement that's been so highly publicized uh, before deliberations occurred, quote, the court does not wish to hear argument on the question whether the provision of in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which forbids a state to deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, applies to these corporations. We are all of the opinion that it does, end quote. Well, he really needed to speak for himself because that was before deliberations. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these cases where the media seems to, um, perhaps the media, perhaps it's uh, that nobody actually reads the uh, cases at the law library anymore. They just depend on, on the summaries sometimes unless you have uh, access to um, something like LexisNexis uh, or other services. But um, the, the fact is that uh, the corporations have gained so much power and uh, the reason they've gained so much power is because the government is a corporation. How could the government be a corporation? How can a government get jurisdiction when it's a corporation? Well, it's the only, the only way a corporation can get jurisdiction is through contracts. And uh, contracts such as licenses and the government... Uh, uh, the United States government, meaning the uh, District of Columbia and, and all, all uh, territories, outposts, military outposts and, and uh, possessions and such uh, under the exclusive legislation of Congress, meaning they have exclusive jurisdiction or they can pass laws that, that uh, affect these areas but do not affect the states. They don't have the authority to pass laws that affect the states under the Constitution, but um, what happened in 1871, the United States government became a corporation. And this can be found in Chapter 62 in um, 16 United States Statutes at Large, 419, the 41st Congress, Session 3. Again, that's Chapter 62. And uh, this is entitled, An Act to Provide a Government for the District of Columbia, just uh, quoting one paragraph, it says, Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States and Congress assembled 
that all that part of the territory of the United States included within the limits of the District of Columbia be, and the same is hereby created into a government by the name of the District of Columbia, by which name is it is hereby constituted a body corporate for municipal purposes, and may contract and be contracted with, sue and be sued, plead and be and pleaded, have a seal, and exercise all other powers of a municipal corporation not inconsistent with the Constitution and laws of the United States and the provisions of this act. End quote. And so they just stated there that they can contract and be contracted with. What kind of contracts can you uh, make with the government? As I mentioned, licenses. And uh, if you look up in any of the legal dictionaries like Black's Law Dictionary uh, or Bouvier's or Barrister's or um, not, pardon me, not barristers. I'm trying to think of the other other one. Um, Valentines, yes. You can look up in in most any legal dictionary, and the definition is is uh, essentially the same. Definition of license is permission from a competent authority to do that which would otherwise be illegal. Now we have licenses to do things that. We have licenses to do things that we think uh, we have the right to do, but we yet we get licenses. License to drive, license to marry. Uh, we often uh, get a birth certificate and assign our little infants or babies a, and a social security number. That's a contract that's unconscionable because uh, they can't even read. And uh, the hospitals are forcing this on, on children, and um, that's a... That's a whole other show, perhaps, on how they get jurisdiction over us uh, through the birth certificates and marriage licenses and driver's licenses and occupational licenses, various other licenses. Uh, the local Pinellas lines are 727-441-3000, toll-free. The line is 1-866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340, and the all-tell-free call is star 1340. That's star 1340 for a free call into the station if you're an Alltel customer. Now, uh, getting back to what is a license, and uh, the, when you get a license, you imply that the government which issues you the license is a competent authority, and that implies that you are not a competent authority. Now, we the people have always proven competent of living in liberty and to get a license for things like marriage, well, is that to for the, is that for the government to to keep track of us, or is it for them to get jurisdiction? And I would say to get jurisdiction. The uh, these various licenses are entered into unconscionably, meaning you do not know what you're actually getting into. You you don't have all of the terms disclosed to you, uh, or you may be under age. Uh, that would also make for an unconscionable contract. But, um, but when we enter into these contracts, they're so subtle that we don't know the spider web in which we're caught. Uh, another implied contract is actually the money that we use, the, the Federal Reserve notes. I'm talking about cash, cold, hard cash. And if you're spending it, the Federal Reserve thinks that they own you because the Federal Reserve is a privately held corporation and the private Federal Reserve cannot be audited currently, but there are thankfully 
182 co-sponsors to uh, the bill currently in Congress, House Resolution, House Resolution um, 1207, and uh, House Resolution 1207 would call for a complete audit of the Fed so that we could know where they're sending the money to. Bloomberg uh, has sued the Federal Reserve, asking them under Freedom of Information last November, what have you been doing with the money all this time? Where have you been giving this $9 trillion? Uh, these treasuries you've been buying, um, now China's even asking if we're going to monetize. Are we going to monetize what the private Federal Reserve is doing? They're asking, is Congress going to take action and, and give value to these securities, these uh, treasury notes um, that, are, that the Federal Reserve is, is buying? And, well, there's no accountability, and uh, it's only because the Federal Reserve is, is a private contractor. The Congress has delegated their authority to coin money and contracted it away to the private Federal Reserve. And uh, if you see the, uh, just as proof of that it's a, it is incorporated, you can see on their seal that it says incorporated 1913, and you can also go to the yellow pages and find them there rather than in the white pages. Um, the yellow pages is the place for businesses, the white pages are the place for uh, individuals, and... and uh, and so let's see here, where were we? Talking about the Federal Reserve here, um, I get so sidetracked sometimes. Now the Federal Reserve is, uh, is fighting uh, being audited. And uh, I'm trying to look up here on the Daily Paul. I'm, pro I'm always so distracted by my own internet here. On the dailypaul.com, we can find the, stat uh, the status of H.R. Uh, 1207 and... Uh, and to anybody who would tell you that Ron Paul is, is um, just um, grasping at straws, he's just, uh, we need to actually uh, abolish the Federal Reserve, I would agree. But I don't agree that Ron Paul is, is um, chasing windmills, I guess would be a more appropriate metaphor. He's, he's waking up Congress. And when you have 182 co-sponsors on a bill to audit a company that uh, with which we're contracting, that's awesome. And uh, and if that's that that's just the first step, I would say to uh, abolition of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve can be abolished, and uh, that's under the very last section of the Federal Reserve. It's uh, section twenty. It says that Congress can actually buy back all of the privately held stock in the Federal Reserve. And uh, let me find that. Sex, that's section 30. It states that the, the right to amend, alter, or repeal this act, referring to the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, is expressly reserved. So that just says right there that we have to demand that Congress abolish the Federal Reserve. They are waking up and buy back, this, or, or they could uh, alternately, if, if uh, they don't have a... Uh, such a strong backbone, Congress could buy back the stock and make it part of the of the Treasury Department. Now, all this talk about we need to nationalize the banks and the Federal Reserve, and well, it needs to be understood that uh, the the Treasury Department um, must also be nationalized because it is also currently part of the private Federal Reserve. And that's a result of the uh, repeal in 1920 of the uh, Independent Treasury Act of 1846. 
So uh, that point being made, the uh, repeal in 1920 of the Independent Treasury Act of 1846 means that the Treasury Department is under the control of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve orders the Treasury Department what to print and how much to print. Uh, so uh, we have no idea since, since uh, we don't have an accounting of our our entire money supply, the entire aggregate estimated money supply, also known as the uh, M3, was um, not published uh, or stopped being published in March of 2005. I think I believe it was March 27th of 2005. So we have no idea what our cash is worth, and we have no idea what it's going to be worth. And uh, the way it's going now, I would just say spend it while it's worth something. But uh, spend it on something that's worthwhile and uh, be very judicious with it. But um, hoarding money, you know, cash is king. Yes, that's true. But as long as the people accept the king's cash and uh, we might end up in a situation like um, like uh, Nazi Germany where we have all the cash we can handle, but we don't have anything to buy with it. Uh, is that something that's going to be striking us soon? Well, let's uh, let's talk about that and, and uh, any other issues, any other uh, personal uh, parables in your life that uh, perhaps are fitting and uh, personal experiences, success stories. We always like to hear those and stories of um, even uh, stories on uh, how the mechanics of, of um, your successes have worked. We, we welcome in great detail uh, calls from attorneys calls from um, credentialed authorities on on any issue and it's great to hear from you and uh, and read your emails you can call in locally in Pinellas at 727-441-3000 toll free 1-866-826-1340 and the Altel free call is star 1340 and uh, let's see let's uh, talk a little bit about the economy some more the Weimar hyperinflation, could it happen again? This is by Ellen Brown, very great article from uh, Global Research. You can find them at globalresearch.ca. And uh, let's see, this, this article here. Um, Uh, just one moment here. Okay, this this article here is on uh, on what it was like in Nazi Germany, and uh, we have a quote here from um, Harvard University law professor Friedrich Kessler on the Weimar Republic hyperinflation. This is from a 1993 interview. He says it was horrible. Like lightning, it struck. No one was prepared. The shelves in the grocery stores were empty. You could buy nothing with your paper money. Harvard University law professor Frederick Kessler. And continuing with the article, some worried commentators are predicting a massive hyperinflation of the sort suffered by Weimar Germany in 1923 when a wheelbarrow full of paper money could barely buy a leaf of a loaf of bread. An April 29th editorial in the San Francisco Examiner warned, quote, with an unprecedented deficit that's approaching $2 trillion, that's uh, the president's 2010 budget proposal, is a surefire prescription for hyperinflation. So every senator and representative who votes for this monster $3.6 trillion budget will be endorsing a spending spree that could very well turn America into the next Weimar Republic. 
And that's a quote. In an investment newsletter called Money Morning on April 9th, Martin Hutchinson pointed to disturbing parallels between current government monetary policy and Weimar Germany's, when 50% of government spending was being funded by signage, merely printing money. However, there is something puzzling in his data. He indicates that the British government is already funding more of its budget by signage than Weimar Germany did at the height of its massive hyperinflation. Yet the pound is still holding its own. Uh, under circumstances said to have caused the complete destruction of the German mark. Pardon for that delay there. Uh, some, something else must have been responsible for the mark's collapse be, besides mere money printing to meet the government's budget. But what? And are we threatened by the same risk today? Let's take a closer look at the data. Well, I'm not going to get into all the data, but uh, when you read this article, you see that history repeats itself. And uh, in his well-researched article, Hutchinson notes that Weimar Ger Germany had been suffering from inflation ever since World War I. But it was the t in the two years period between 1921 and 1923 that the true Weimar hyperinflation occurred. And by the time it had ended in November 1923, the mark was worth only one trillionth of what it had been worth back in 1914. So I'll leave you with that um, that little excerpt of the article that's from globalresearch.ca, a great website, uh, great analysis. Uh, the article is called The Weimar Hyperinflation, Could It Happen Again? by Elmar, Elmer, pardon me, by Ellen Brown. And uh, worldofdebt.com is her website, worldofdebt.com. They're all linked up on my website, liberationstation.weebly.com. Weebly is spelled W-E-E-B-L-Y, and that's www.liberationstation.weebly.com. Just go to the link section, and you'll find that and many other great links there. And we have walking in the studio right now my friend Zolt. Zolt, uh, he's a great patriot, and he's a great American, and uh, he's quite up on what's going on. Now, Zolt, what do you have to say? What do you think well, about our economy, what I was just talking about in the, all this time you've been listening? Uh, greetings, Chris. I heard your um, interview with um, Colonel Bogman. It was really great. Really enjoyed it. He's very, very uh, deep in... Yeah, wasn't he? Just incredible. Everything he mm -hmm. He hits it right on the head all the time. He, <clears throat> it's like to meet somebody like him is, is, uh, is, is an amazing resonance when you meet someone yeah, like that. Uh, I, I was thinking if I called in, I was going to ask him a question. I first heard about um, um, Star Wars program from uh, Lyndon LaRouche, believe it or not. Lyndon LaRouche, well, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah, now you're laughing. <laughs> I was wondering if, wonder if he ever met him, but he definitely was a marginalized politician. And, Absolutely. And yeah. uh, a lot of his uh, information does... Uh, uh, corroborate um, stuff that you get from Alex Jones you know it's it seems mm -hmm. like a lot of these um, uh, patriotic um, persons such as Jones and LaRouche and others could collaborate I'm sure at some point is it'll happen but well anyway. there are always personality conflicts with right. you know exactly. such such large organizations right. and everybody can't agree on everything so they got to keep their own but yeah, I know Lyndon LaRouche is uh, I think he was set up <laughs> but uh, 
I yeah. agree with it. He I, was I, imprisoned. He was a political prisoner. He was imprisoned mm-hmm. with uh, the uh, uh, defamed uh, Jim Baker. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where he spent some time. Um, so talking, yeah, the Star Wars. Uh, what did Lennon? I've never. I haven't read. Uh, he promoted. That. He thought it was a good. Uh, it was a good thing, and that um, he claimed oh. that he claimed that he actually promoted the idea to Ronald Reagan in um, on March. I think it was March twenty third, nineteen eighty three, if, if I'm not mistaken. And he he was for weapons uh, in space, weaponizing space. Yeah, as a defense against uh, the Russians. Um, against the Russians, did he did he think that uh, there was an actual threat, or did he, did he was he aware that um, that was something of a uh, sham placed on uh, or played on both people of you know Russia and America? What was his? Uh, did he, he really felt like we had a, a threat? Yes, yes. Uh, he also predicted the collapse of, of Russia. You know, just before it happened. He predicted the collapse of Russia in 1988, and it actually happened in 1989. Well, um, you know, well, if somebody's ever a, a prophet like that, they're never really appreciated in their own right. country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what about the weaponization? Did uh, did that um, impress you? About didn't that scare you a little bit about some of the things that the crazies wanted to pull off? Uh, of course. And uh, and these and these crazies. What do you? What kinds of things do you things do you think they would have done uh, if they had a chance to, if they had a chance to use them in in the in present day situation, uh, say even uh, Middle East. Uh, I mean, I, I know, I know that. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't attribute it the, attribute this to a source, but this particular person said that they were planning to light cities on fire. And uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say who, but um, that's uh, that's one of the uh, things that they were able to actually do, rather than uh, fight missiles, you know, destroy missiles. This uh, particular expert says. So, you know, perhaps we'd have oil fires going on in uh, in Iraq. I see we have another visitor. Uh, yeah. Yes, we have Wayne Walton, uh, the organizer for We Are Change Tampa, here joining us uh, in the studio. And uh, get some Wayne hooked up here. Hello, nice to be here. Great, Wayne. You're a great American. Well, tell us about your organization. Uh, I am with uh, We Are Change Tampa, well, formerly uh, 9/11 Truth uh, Tampa, and uh, uh, I've just uh, I'm a you know basically reformed neocon. Just came around, say maybe in November, or December or so, and uh, you know just a you know real quick background because I I. Uh, you know, a lot of people here listening to the show, they, they uh, are aware, they're awake, and now we got to take action to, to get more people awake. That's the only way to achieve victory here is to be more committed than the other side. And it's, uh, it's not about us finding a Neo. It's about us all stepping up and making it your personal responsibility to engage your neighbor uh, to find whatever particular skill that you have, and even if you don't have that skill, uh, I, I, I was just we was just going through a guy that, uh, that uh, Colonel uh, Bowman. Uh, 
I had done an interview with him, and it took an hour for us to delete all the ahs that I made when uh, we did the interview. I was, I was horrible at it. I, I talked too much. And it's, it's not about that uh, we're going to be perfect or perfect with the facts or uh, in anything along those lines. It's important that you engage other people consistently and frequently and don't do it in an aggressive way. Do it with love and respect that some people aren't ready or they're not ready for the way you're going to deliver it, but uh, be there and, and uh, that that you're able to, to you know, don't take the uh, conversations on directly. I, I typically like to start with the Federal Reserve System because people don't have a dog in the hunt with the banks unless you happen to be talking to a banker. <laughs> yes, they want to keep you in their system. <laughs> right, right. That's so, what they're scared of is this going off into other, uh, you know, getting away from getting out of the banking system and going off into things like bartering. That's one of the Bilderberg I hear is one of their fears. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, th- this has been the most amazing awakening for me spiritually because uh, previously, I, you know, I was never active. I would just vote and I'd listen to like the lineup of all the neocons. I uh, have a degree in history and um, uh, basically I would, I'd go along and I just was so indoctrinated and not realizing it. And now that I'm awake and I'm, I'm at this uh, mission, essentially, and the, the mission is the mission of all of humanity for all of time. All it is is we have tyranny. And all these things are symptoms of tyranny. And now we need to engage and do what Christ did, do what uh, the founders did, do what Gandhi did, do what MLK did, and fight on behalf of against the corrupt system on behalf of mankind so don't uh you know people are sitting there and just listen don't listen anymore get engaged and get involved go to a group and have you gone to your neighbor's house and talked to them about the fed well i'm worried about mankind right now but (laughs) i know that's that's the right attitude i agree because if you if you don't have that all-encompassing view then you're not gonna want to reach out to get some you know to, to talk with people near you and get some feedback from them even if you're not perfect and you know in a perfect presentation your your real concern comes across yeah and and just be earnest and be yourself and explain hey you know because i i go out of my way to try to talk to neocons because i was there i'm come from a military family and i i i know where they're at so i think i know the buttons that i was resistant to so i try to speak to them but in the meantime how i was speaking to in a spiritual sense Previously, I'd rarely other engage African Americans or Latin Americans, but ultimately, this is a, a global tyranny that's being propagated, and um, so it, it's a, a, something I want to go out and reach out to people because you can talk to everybody about this. But real quick, uh, the, the group is uh, We Are Change Tampa, and we're having an event tomorrow. We're just having a movie night. Um, if you go to the website, uh, We Are Change Tampa, it's a meetup group. Uh, come on out tomorrow, and we're we're real active. We're doing something once a week. Great. That's a great idea. Uh, yeah, just go to meetup.com and uh, search for, I guess, We Are Change Tampa, and they'll come to your group. Yep. Yep. We're uh, j- uh, Tomorrow there's an event. We're just having a group of people where we're going to watch a, a documentary. Uh, and, and this isn't a top-down thing. I don't tell everybody what to do, what everybody wants to do. All I uh, say is we're going to go everywhere, every forum that we can speak to a group. And then next week in Orlando, uh, the uh, Florida We Are Change has an event, a street action on, uh, I believe it's Thursday. So if you go to Florida We Are Change, uh, we're just going to go on, I believe it's on International Boulevard, and we're just going to you know, pe- uh, speak to people 
and uh, discuss these issues and, and go out and engage the world. Uh, we got to do it on every level. Wonderful. It sounds uh, very inspiring. And uh, again, go to meetup.com and search for We Are Change Tampa and uh, log in and you can get the information for all of your event, all the We Are Change events and uh, the movie night. It sounds good. I'll be going tomorrow and uh, there's so many documentaries to watch. It's great to hear somebody uh, inviting the public in. Well, this has been Chris Steiner. Thanks for joining us, Wayne. A great American. That's uh, Wayne Walton and Zolt joining us tonight as Dr. Bob Bowman. You can check the archives again and listen to the show and uh, all the other news stories at liberationstation.weebly.com. All take great care.